this week on Trip Weddings, archiving and backup for wedding photographers with Gary Fong. A wedding photographer's worst nightmare is probably losing their client's images. On this episode of Trip Weddings, Gary Fong joins us to talk about archiving and backup for wedding photographers. Gary takes us on a tour of his workflow to show us how his important photographs and documents were protected when he lost his home to a devastating fire. And welcome back to another episode of TWIP Weddings. Once again, my name is Bruce Clark, and I am joined again. Uh, this time we're branching out. We don't, uh, we're not in this fancy sports car. We've got a minivan because uh, we got a few more. We've got a special guest on the show this week, so no, no, no room in the Fiat for just the three of us. But I'm joined by uh, Mr. Robert Evans, Mr. Brian Capricci, and we've got a very special guest this week, Mr. Gary Fong. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Hello, hello. Hello. So for those maybe who, ha- who aren't familiar with, with Gary, I don't, I don't know how you could not know who Gary Fong is, but for those who aren't familiar with Gary, um, I, I, I want to call you, Gary, a kind of a true renaissance man. Um, you know, he's an amazing photographer, you're an inventor, you're an educator, a businessman, a musician, a family man, you're kind of one of the, the true renaissance man. Um, but for those who kind of aren't familiar with, with you and your work, um, maybe give us just a, a brief overview. Who is Gary Fong? Uh, well, Robert knows me from being a wedding photographer in Los Angeles for 20 years. So I, I started out just shooting at home. I mean, I started charging $150 per wedding. And then I just built my clientele up until I, I was doing really well. And then right around the end of that, someone came out with a digital camera, shot at a wedding, and took a picture of a cake. And she said, wow, that looks pretty good. And and I was, you know, a little bit kind of freaked out by that. So then I started a photo lab, which became Pictage. And then that uh, that went on for, uh, you know, a, a nice little while. And um, with that, running that for a while, then I retired at 42 and uh, moved over to France. And then when I was there, I was just kind of thinking about all the blown out shots I had to correct while I was at Pictage. And then I was sitting in the hotel room, and I saw the uh, lamp, like you've got behind you, you know, the the room lamp, and thought, wow, this is really pretty lighting. It it lights the whole room as well as the subject. So basically what I wanted to do was stick a lampshade on a flash. And uh, that was 10 years ago. That was called the light sphere. And uh, (laughs) I can't believe it survived 10 years, but we're we're big as ever. So that's pretty much... uh, I, I guess would sum it up. I look at my Wikipedia and and I read all the stuff that that it says that I did, and I don't really remember them. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. Well, we're really happy to have you on on the show, Gary. I mean, you're a wealth of information. I think we you know we could talk about multiple topics um, with you and, and pick your brain on so many things. Um, but the reason we've got you on today, and sort of specifically what we want to talk about this week, is just about safeguarding um, images. Um, and we're going to be talking about sort of archiving and backup for wedding photographers. And and one of the reasons we brought you on is it's kind of something that hit kind of very close to home for you recently, and we're going to talk about that because I think that's kind of the impetus behind some of this stuff as well. Um, but before we, we dig into that uh, discussion, uh, we just want to remind our audience, again, how you can participate in the show. Um, so we've got a couple of different ways you can interact with us. Um, first off, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings. There you're going to find the show notes uh, that accompany each episode, and it'll contain links to everything that we mentioned on the show. I'm sure we're going to have uh, quite a few uh, different links to things on today's show. Um, You can also leave your comments and your feedback for us in the comments section. Also, if you have a question uh, or a suggestion for a topic for a future episode, you can email us. Our email address is twipwed 
at thisweekinphoto.com. Um, or if you prefer using social media, just include the hashtag TwipWed to your post, and we'll keep an eye out for those as well. And uh, we're also on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram, you can follow us, and we're yeah. at TwipWed. Well, we're, we're getting there. We'll get there. <laughs> Again, you guys got to send me some content to get pushed out on, to, to, on our Instagram account. So. <laughs> but um, we want to uh, let's jump into the show again. We're gonna we're changing that format up um, a little bit. We're gonna jump into our main discussion right away. So uh, again, send us your feedback. Let us know what you think of of the, this particular format. So I think you know if you were to list you know wedding photographers' worst nightmares, um, I don't know. Maybe we'd all have different opinions. But I think one of the biggest nightmares would probably be losing a client's wedding images. That would probably be at, near, at or near the top of the list. Would you guys all agree? Agree. Absolutely. Um, so I think capturing and kind of protecting your client's memories, that's why they hired us. So we want to talk today, we're going to take a deep dive into backup and archiving for wedding photographers. And so kind of the impetus behind this a little bit is, is, is you know, a bit of a personal story on Gary's end of things. Gary, do you, want to, do you mind sharing with us just kind of briefly kind of what, what happened and what's kind of driving this for you, you know, re reinforcing the importance of this for you? Yeah, sure. Um, January 11th of this year, our home uh, got completely burned out in a fire. I mean, leveled to the ground. And that was, that was awful. But it's not like I didn't see it coming. I've seen that coming for all my professional life, and the, the remarkable thing about it is I didn't lose a thing in that fire. I didn't lose any images, I didn't lose any of my instruments, I didn't lose any of my, uh, anything that was replaceable, even like things like I had a little uh, school book that had my report cards from kindergarten all the way to high school and things like that. I didn't lose that because I've always been a, a freak about fire. I mean, when I used to lecture way back probably 20 years ago about wedding photography and I shot film, I used to describe how I would have the film go inside uh, one of those, you know, those fireproof lunchbox looking things that you can get at Home Depot <laughs> because I didn't want the car to catch on fire in between the lab. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, that looks like it holds money. So I, I would slap a biohazard sticker on it so no one would, you know, steal it. But that, but I, the only wedding I ever lost out of a thousand was one that UPS lost, um, you know, on the way to the lab, and we got a handsome settlement for the couple. But uh, we never lost lost anything because, as I'll show, I'm gonna you around the house today, and show you how freaky I am about my storage. But when the fire happened, you know, one of the things that I was really comforted in was knowing that our stuff didn't get lost. Now, unfortunately, my wife lost a lot of her stuff. And, you know, I, I was really bugging her and saying, you know, I really think you should back that up. You know, I'm just putting this out there. And um, she said, yeah, I'll get to it. But my, my iPhone's full and all that other stuff. So she lost a lot, pretty much everything she had. But what was nice is I was there for everything. So I was there for the first birthday. I was there, you know, all, all the events. So we, we had photos of everything. Um, but yeah, we, we, we were able to save everything and I'm just kind of like on this thing to help my friends have this discussion about like, you know, just have a fire drill in your head. What would happen today if your entire house went down? You know, you've got a pile of events over there and not only would you lose everything, you'd owe money, right, to all your clients and probably, you know, lose your career. So it's, it's about the most important discussion we could have. 
<clears throat> yeah, I think so. I agree. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, these days are, are operating their businesses out of their homes. They're not generally running out of studios as much anymore. Um, you know, I know a lot of my fellow friends, it may not, they might not live in a house, they might live in a condo complex. And so they, you know, they're at the mercy of their neighbors and whatnot. You know, there was a big condo fire in our city recently. Um, uh, somebody put out a cigarette in a diaper pail out on a patio and it burned the whole condo complex to the ground, right? So I want to ask Brian sure. and Robert, have you guys ever had any disasters with photos or, or loss of photos? Um, I never have as far as um, I did, you know, early on in digital, um, I had a I had a bad card uh, where I had some problems with it and then I sent it back to the manufacturer and they did recover the files and then send me a new card, which I thought was amazing. Um, and then I think one other time I had another issue, but then of course after having that happen the first time you learn, don't even mess with the card, I just sent it right to them and again they got the images off, recovered them, sent them back to me. But I would say within the last 10 years, uh, everything's been pretty rock solid. Um, but yeah, like I've never had, you know, big disasters like that. Yeah. Brian, how about you? Have you? No, I mean, knock on wood, I've uh, not had the catastrophe of having a fire or anything like that or anything being stolen or broken into or anything like that. I have had it where... Um, not that it happens frequently, but maybe once a year, maybe once every other year. Um, one of my hard drives, like I've, if we're going to get into the technical side of things, I'll explain what I do. But um, I have uh, a storage device that holds eight hard drives, and so I have had it where like one of my hard drives in there, I have a new hard drive for every single year, where one of the hard drives would go just randomly, would just go corrupt on me. And fortunately, because I have two backups of every hard drive offsite, um, it hasn't resulted in anything. Uh, any kind of data loss or anything where I'd have to go back to a client and say, sorry, I lost your photos. Even if it was five years ago, I, I never want that to happen. So I have had it where hard drives have gone corrupt on me. I think that's not um, unreasonable to think it's going to happen in your career as a wedding photographer, yeah. that a hard drive will go corrupt on you. So even something as non-catastrophic as that, certainly not as dramatic as a fire, that kind of event could easily happen to anyone at any point in time. Yep. Yeah, it's, I guess it's always... just as easily as a fire could happen, but a hard drive going corrupt is not going to say very likely to happen, but it kind of probably is going to happen to you at some point. So having that kind of contingency plan that we'll talk about today um, is super important. And if I didn't have that, I would have had to go back. If I ever had a client, my 2010 hard drive just died actually last week, so it's kind of timely for me. Unfortunately, I had the backup of it. So you know, if I didn't have that backup, if I ever had a 2010 client come to me that said, hey, can I... Can I order some more prints or can I read that album or for whatever reason, um, I would have had to been like, yeah, that hard drive is gone. <laughs> so so even a simple thing like that is super important to protect yourself against. Yeah, I think I, the thing with hard drives too, that I've heard this before, so this is not my statement, but you have to think of a hard drive. It's not if, but when it's oh, going to totally. go totally. Absolutely. You, know, yeah. you have to think of that way. You know, a hard drive isn't forever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, wanna... anything about this kind of thing where we're talking about hard drive backup and everything like that, it, it runs exactly parallel to the fire uh, mm -hmm. strategies. Um, it's, it's the same thing. You want to have your stuff protected. So, this is kind of the larger thing is protecting your data, really, not just from fire, but from bad, bad copies or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's almost like even if we like in in this whole discussion. I mean, I, I know that um, Gary's situation is something that we can talk really specifically about. But I think, like Gary is saying, um, that almost like what Gary has done to protect against what happened to him 
is the same kind of methods and systems and processes that every photographer should be doing regardless of what kind of situation could happen. I mean, these methods would protect against <clears throat> theft, would protect against fire, would protect against any other kind of catastrophe, but the same things would protect against a hard drive going corrupt on you. So having that kind of rock-solid plan, I guess if we just pull out and look at the bigger picture, some photographers listening right now might be like, oh, well, you know, we've got fire alarms, we've got this. We've got, it's like, no, it's like mm -hmm. we're not just protecting against fire, we're protecting against anything that could happen to these hard drives. So having a rock-solid plan for any kind of situation is super important. Yep, I agree. So I think I want to start the conversation sort of at even even before we get to the archiving and the backup discussion. Um, what sort of steps do you guys take when the actual image is being captured to back it up at that point in time? Or is everybody now shooting with cameras with dual dual card slots to sort of eliminate that probability of having a failed you know memory card? Yeah, I know most of the Sony cameras, well, not all of them, but some of them have dual card slots, so I will do that, and then I will back up, you know, download my cards, you know, fairly right away after I get, if I get home late, I may do it in the morning, but then, you know, download my cards right away, and then, you know, immediately back them up to something else, so I have a couple copies. Yeah. Gary, what, what about you? What's your process in terms of the actual, like the image capture time, in terms of being able to have that redundancy? Well, so my strategy is that the safest place to hold a memory card is inside the camera because all the pins are connected, and if you drop that camera, the camera will shatter, but your uh, drive is protected by this big chunk of reinforced whatever it is. So I always left my memory cards inside the camera and never pulled them out. Pulling them out, swapping them, whatever, is just asking to lose it or accidentally format over one because you ran out of space on one and and so I always left it inside what I called the best container which would be the cameras itself <laughs> Then when the cameras were uh, back from the event I would take them and I would stick them on I don't know if you guys have seen these but I'll just walk you over because I have one right here this is kind of a cool thing these are called and I, this isn't the only product that that does that <clears throat> but this one's uh, my passport wireless this oh, is yeah. a terabyte and you know you can just drop a SD card right in that slot there and then it'll automatically back it up and I think what I like about this is it just goes directly into here and then it'll it'll just make a carbon copy like a lot of times we go oh we just need the DCIM folder or the blah 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 folder and we don't take the other folders that go with it and I don't know what they're for, and I don't know why it's important. But what I like about this is it makes an exact carbon copy. Nice. And then from there, and then from there that, that all you know, gets edited. And then um, our deep storage, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but we're now using the 200-year Blu-ray DVDs. Have you, have you heard of those? No. No. So the thing about hard drives is that there's two things that can kill it. Uh, the data. One is magnets. I did a nice controversial video on that one. Um, and then the other one is <clears throat> when it's not spinning, that platter is open to corruption, uh, corrosion. So if your drive is sitting here like this, this is where the rust and the oxidation can occur. It's actually safer to keep it running, but that lasts for a very, very little <clears throat> amount of time. And Blu-rays really don't last very long at all. So what we do is we have, I'll just take you over to my garage here. For the audio because listeners, we're, we're doing a tour, a walkthrough here with Gary, so he's showing us some stuff. Um, okay, it's kind of a mess. Hang on just a sec. Let me move the trike out of the way. 
Okay, so, um, so we have this intermediate safe, and then we. Ooh, I was about to. <laughs> we just about got Gary's safe password. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you can see, but now we're inside the uh, inside this guy, and there we have what's called um, these right here. These are archival gold BDRs, and <clears throat> they're about a dollar a megabyte, um, or is that gigabyte? They're yeah. about a dollar. Yeah, so they're twenty-five bucks per disc. But this thing is—it's called Scratch Armor, and uh, it's rated to last two hundred years. All you need to do is have your receipt, and if it fails, you just show them the receipt at year one ninety-seven or whatever, right? Um, and then what we do is we take these guys, make two copies of them. One goes into our intermediate safe, which is here at the house, and then another one goes to um, our safe deposit box. But like I put our wedding, birth photos, and um, all the scans in the house. And by scans, I mean this. Um, so what happens is, you're going to think, wow, this guy's a freak, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm a freak. Okay, so we walk inside the house, and then we've got this little scanning table here. And so I don't know if you can see that. Can you see it? Yep, yep. So, again, I'll, I'll try and describe or try, try and describe for our audience kind of what they're seeing because, again, keep in mind we've got a lot of our listeners are listening audio only. So. Oh, yeah. So this is a, um, a Fujitsu ScanSnap, and it's awesome because it's – just wicked fast. You can throw like 50 sheets in there and then it'll just like scan them and it'll throw it onto here into the computer which is then hooked up to um, a Dropbox. Now I don't trust Dropbox but I do trust Dropbox because what it'll do is it'll reconcile with my IOSafe at my office downtown and I don't know if you've heard of the IOSafe but the IOSafe is a black box it's a uh, RAID drive, but what makes it different is it's fireproof and waterproof. And uh, it's also an NES. Uh, it's a secure private cloud uh, network access server. And what I love about it is that, first of all, the transfer speeds are incredibly fast. You transfer up to Google, Cl Google Cloud or Apple's iCloud or whatever, it's very slow because you've got a bunch of people accessing those drives. This is a secure one-to-one -one network between you and a box that's somewhere else. That's fireproof, waterproof. And so if this house goes down, everything's backed up over there. And so all my paperwork, everything that might be important, or we don't know that it's important now. You know, if you want to keep stuff and go, oh, shit, I threw that away, just have some very, very easy and convenient way to capture all of it. And uh, and then once that's done, it, it, we're impervious to any you know any loss at this point. So what's that? Tell us a little bit again about that safe itself. So you said it's sort of a safe and a, and a NAS device all in one. What's it called again? Oh, it's called IOSafe. In fact, if uh, let me see if I can I don't remember how to do it, but it's IOSafe uh, I O S A F E. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, and we can include a link to it in the show notes for this for this post. So while you're kind yeah. of looking that up, um, so this is basically an all-in-one. It's it's not just a, a, a network-attached storage device. It's in a, an actual safe that's going to be 
fire and waterproof. What's what's somebody looking at for a solution like that? Somebody who's looking to to pick one of those up and add that to their. You know, uh, there are different prices. You you can get um you can get the, the you know massive ones. I think this one right here. Can you see me now? I'm just going. Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So this is the IOSafe 24, and NAS means Network Address Server, and this is what it's like. I think it's about 2,500 bucks, but it comes with data recovery service, which is neat. So they'll back it up to their own cloud. But what I like about this is that nobody can hack into your system. If if you suspect you're being hacked, all you need to do is unplug the cord, and that's the end of it. Mm. Um, so people like you know. Well, like Robert, who have have to deal with um, celebrities and things like that, it's a beautiful thing to have your own closed circuit uh, cloud because this cloud is not open to anybody else. It's just you, and it's the same thing that you would have with uh, Apple or you know Amazon or whatever uh, photo sharing, but it's safe. So, and you'll see down here it it'll talk about like how it's. Um, Private cloud security. You guys would really love it. If you saw one, you would just go, wow, uh, I couldn't feel safer. And it's neat. Oh, the other thing I wanted to tell you also is if you get something like this, make sure it's on a bottom floor and um, and next to the fireplace. That's important. Okay. Why is that? Well, because the fireplace is the most important, uh, the solid structure in your house. If you, you look through disaster areas where there's hurricanes or fires or whatever, you'll see the last thing that's standing is the fireplace. Because the fireplace is, duh, made for fire. So being next to the structure or actually inside, if you're going to leave on a holiday, just grab your whatever safe and put it inside the, uh, the fireplace, and you, you can't have a more secure place than that. And um, and it's uh, in, in our house, it was amazing. I had a fire safe, you know, one of those fire safes that you can buy at Home Depot. And I put it on the bottom floor, and I just butted it right up next to our uh, fireplace. And we recovered it. And inside, there was negatives, cash, photos. But more incredibly, there was a hard drive in it. And the hard drive spun up. <laughs> we got all the data off it. And it was so hot, it burned, you know, I mean, there, there was literally uh, flames for like four days. It melted a hole in the safe, so the top of the safe was exposed. Uh, but by the time they got to it, there was a little bit of, you know, heat that had gone in. But we saved everything. Now, there were two safes in the house. One, unfortunately, my wife kept up uh, in a different spot, not on the ground floor. Um, and what happens is, you know, fire rises in a flame. So if you're on the second floor, it's going to get the heat from the bottom, then it's going to fall to the ground. But if you're on the concrete basement, heat doesn't come up from the bottom. So if you butt it up against the fireplace, you have two out of the two sides protected out of the cube. And it's uh, a lot of people will go, oh, this is awesome. I got a fire safe. But it's not going to help you if you put it in the attic. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to have all the time in the world to cook, you know. So right. it's, it's all these things are that could make the difference between you wasting your time or having a successful disaster. Absolutely. So do you, I want to ask um, Robert and Brian, do you guys have like a, a fire safe? What kind of physical means do you use to secure your like your hard drives or your backup systems? 
I don't have a fire safe, but I do have an offsite backup as well as cloud. Brian, how about you? Uh, I don't have a fire safe, but my backup strategy is in such a way that I've always got three copies of every hard drive in two different places at any one given time. So um, for me, again, it's not protected because it's connected to my computer, but if you know my office were to burn down, then at home I've got a copy of everything that's here at my office at home. So the chances of my home burning down and my office burning down at the exact same time um, unless someone listening to this wants to go and test me and, and go and light fire on both my places. Or if you really piss off your wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so for me, no, I don't, I don't uh, have a fire safe um, with the hard drives in it, but, um, but I do have a, a really redundant system so that at any one given point in time, if one of my places were to have a catastrophe happen, uh, I would have no problem. Yeah, I think it's interesting because all of us have like another location, like an office or a studio, you know, where we have stuff. But I know a lot of photographers that don't. You know, a lot of them are home-based businesses. They're working out of their home. So I think, you know, a fire safe is going to be that extra level of protection if they, if you know, if they're looking to protect well, stuff, I, but they can't get it off-site somewhere. You know, I, I can actually comment on that, Bruce, because it's only I only got this office here about two months ago. So up until then, I had a studio that was attached to my home. So although it was separate, it was still there. So if the home were to burn, burn down, my office probably would have burnt down as well. So what I did in that situation is I would have one copy of everything in my office, or sorry, two copies rather, because I would always have a daily backup. But then my offsite copy, I actually kept at my in-laws. So every single week I would go there, grab that copy, bring it back to my studio, and in the meantime, that second copy was at my in-law. So I would never actually have all three copies in my studio at any one given point in time. So my offsite was just somewhere else that was not in my home, and I think that's a really clean solution for any photographer. I think even if you have, and maybe Gary, you can comment on this, but even if you have a fireproof safe, I still wouldn't advocate for having all your copies in the same building at any one given point in time. I'd always still recommend having an off-site copy. Maybe, Gary, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, you have to have it off-site. And um, that if you, um, this is an intermediate storage. This is just, you know, because you get too busy to go to the off-site place, yeah. right? And yeah. throw it in somewhere. But one thing that I really wanted to mention before, because you were asking about the cost of the IOSafe, I want to put out there <clears throat> that the cheapest primary backup you can have is the original memory cards. And memory, you know, memory is so inexpensive these days, and you're paying a pretty handsome uh, fee to shoot. Just don't ever, <laughs> you know, uh, reformat those cards. You can afford to buy a new set per event. And, uh, you know, how do you know that you haven't used that set of cards for 14 times and it's about to fail? But you can take you know, your SD or compact flash card, stick them in an envelope, call it the Jones Smith wedding, take it to your safe deposit box and drop it off after you have working copies. And that's your ultimate backup because I've had it before where you copied from a, uh, a memory card to a drive and you think you got it all down and then there is one corrupt file in there that didn't get copied correctly, you know, twice that I had to go back to the original things and thank God I didn't format over them. So what I do is I keep the original cards to the important things. Mm. Yeah, that's a good tip. I actually saw, yeah, the other day they had like 64 gig card, like a two-pack of 64 gig cards on for a B&H for like 90 bucks or 80 bucks. So you can build that in as a, you know, part of your cost of doing, doing business. So that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you guys a little bit about, do you guys um, perceive or is there a difference for you between backup? versus archiving. 
And I think this goes back maybe a little bit even to discussion a little bit about film uh, as well. But, you know, I see backup as more more immediate. It's things that are happening sort of on your current stuff, whereas archiving is the ability to go back and get at some of these assets. Like, you know, in the film days, you would have had your, your negatives, but now you've got your digital files going back, I don't know how many years. Um, tell us a little bit, Robert, what's kind of your approach in terms of backup versus, say, archiving? <clears throat> okay, so I'll just give you a real quick um, how I do it uh, workflow. You know, I'll come home for an event. I will download my cards to an external hard drive. Um, and then um, I typically will uh, work on the job, you know, do my, call my job. Uh, if I'm doing a Lightroom or whatever when it's done, then I have my edits. And then as soon as I have my best RAW files and my best JPEGs, those go on to my server. Um, and then I leave on that external drive, you know, I still have a folder, best raw, you know, best JPEG, and then all the other images which I leave there. And then ultimately that hard drive, once it fills up, that external hard drive becomes kind of a backup that I stick on my shelf. And then of course my best JPEGs then go up to uh, SmugMug and or Pictage, depending on what it is. Okay, so you're using those as kind of your offsite um, storage, so you're using a cloud solution for the offsite piece. Correct. Yeah. Well, I, I have a bit of a different workflow. I'm I'm kind of like Gary a little bit. I'm pretty anal about my my data, you know, protection. Um, I worked in IT for 16 years, and I saw you know clients lose data because they weren't backing things up properly, and even just you know friends and family have lost you know personal photos and things like that because we're in this digital age, which is which is great, but it's also Nobody's printing stuff anymore, which is kind of sad, and now they lose their hard drive and they lose all their family's memories, all right? So not just us as wedding photographers, but I think, you know, our clients are losing images that way. And so I'm pretty anal about it. So I have kind of a, a three, two, one strategy. So I have, you know, uh, I'll have the cards uh, right away after the wedding. I come home, they're, they're downloaded. Um then right away those images are on a, a main working drive, but that main working drive is also automatically duplicated to a Drobo. So I'm using a Drobo as my second redundant uh, copy, and that happens overnight. I just run a program on my Mac called Chronosync, and it just automatically synchronizes um, one, you know, one drive to another. Um, and then the next morning, because usually I'm doing that fairly late at night, um, I'll take the cards up upstairs with me and they actually sit on my nightstand so that if something were to happen in the middle of the night I would grab my wife my dog and the memory cards in that order <laughs> um, on my way you know on my way out the door so worst case scenarios I'm not going to lose those images I'd st I would still have the memory cards for it but then the next morning is when I'll do my backup to an external drive and then that external drive gets rotated out as quickly as possible to the to the studio but I'm also using a cloud backup solution as well. Um, so I'm using a service called CrashPlan, and it's it's constantly um, feeding that um, data up to the cloud. The downside with that, um, and I think Gary kind of alluded to this, is it's not a private cloud. Um, so there is that potential, I guess, of somebody you know getting at it. Um, you know, an online service could potentially just go away, so you can't always put all your eggs in that basket because who knows, they could fold their tent tomorrow and then I have no backup. Um, but there's also the problem of just the bandwidth. I mean, we're shooting, you know, we got these new cameras out now, they're shooting big files from a typical wedding. You, just, you know, it might take a couple of days to get that data pushed up into the cloud. 
So, um, so what are your guys' thoughts kind of on the cloud storage? I know, Gary, you kind of alluded to, I think I know your thoughts on cloud storage, but I want to sort of get your opinion on, on cloud storage for, for backup for wedding photographers. Yeah, so, um, well, there's, it's really competitive now, which is nice. <clears throat> and there's Amazon Prime has free unlimited backup. Mm -hmm. um, Apple, I think Apple is actually the worst value of them all. Something like, I think it's $240 per year to store one terabyte which is very, very small. And then... Um, well, they're hurting for cash, so, you know, they got to make as much as they can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Google Google Play that has uh, unlimited for uh, four megapixel files, and there's so many uh, options out there. But I don't trust them. And, for example, so much of our lives is on um, Facebook. And... If, you know, if, if Facebook went away, then we would have so few of our family pictures with, you know, any kind of thing on it. So why don't you guys just do a question? I'm going to go grab something and be right back. Yeah, so I have I have an input, too. So, we're, yeah. you know, we're talking about a subject that I think is very scary. I mean, like people like, you know, we're bringing all this, you know, gloom and doom. And but it's important to think about it. Um, but I just want to throw something out there that I do. Like yes, we want to back up our images, and yes, we want to back up our clients' images. But one of the things that I do, that's in my contract, is you know, of course, in today's world, everybody wants a copy of their images and their files, and everybody has different policies on whether they charge for it or whether they give them away or however that works. Um, but when I pass those images along to my client. Um, I have a clause in my contract that says once I do that, I am no longer liable for storing their images. Um, once I hand them those files, that you know, it's not that I erase. I do. I have them. I want them for my own reference. I want them to go back, you know, blog posts, whatever I want to reference from past weddings. Yep. But in my contract, it says that I am no longer liable for storing their images and that they are. I, I educate them on, you know, some of these things that we're talking about. You know, I talk to them about hard drives. I tell them to put a copy of their files, you know, of course, in a cloud storage, in their safe deposit box. And, and I tell them what I said earlier. It's not if, but it's when, you know, that hard drive will fail. Um, and then beyond that, then there's another one that says, you know, if they come back to me over a period of time, you know, and say well, they want their files back, that it's a minimum $1,000 fee, the way I put it in my contract, $1,000 fee for storage and data recovery. So right. if it ever comes to that, you know, then I could if I wanted to. I don't have to enforce that, you know, depending on what their situation. You know, a Gary Fong comes to me and goes, oh, my gosh, my house burned down. Well, of course, I would be an ass if I said, you know, Oh, I'm going to charge you a thousand dollars to get your files back, which might work because the you know maybe the insurance is going to pay for it anyway. But you know it's all a situation. But you know by removing yourself of that liability, and if you literally want to take it one step further, you could make them then also sign a separate form that says I understand that by accepting these files, uh, the studio is no longer liable. Blah 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 blah. So it's just something for you guys to think about. You know, you don't have to like, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for every wedding destroyed for the rest of my life. No, let yourself go of that liability. And, you know, of course you want to protect your images uh, for yourself and your family images, but don't hold on to that burden of every single client portrait, wedding, you know, bat mitzvah, whatever you shoot. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a really, really good point is having that in, you know, in some sort of an, an, something in your contract or an agreement that they sign when you hand over the images. Um, I like to try to educate my clients as well. So, you know, again, we are in this digital world and if we're including digital, uh, you know, images in their package, that's something we try to work with them and educate them about backing up their images and having them in multiple locations and not putting all their eggs in one basket. Um, because, you know, people, a lot of people just don't know, like they're just, they're, you know, they think it's on their hard drive and their computer's never going to fail and they're never going to have a disaster and they just don't, they don't want to ever think about those things. Nobody ever does. And a lot of times it's not until something happens, right? And Gary, you can probably, I mean, you're, you sounds like you've been kind of on top of this and aware of this for a long time too, but it, it reinforces it. I mean, even you said, you mentioned like your wife lost a lot of her images, right? So this kind of is that, you know, pushes people to think about these things, I think even more. Yeah, this uh, I went over to my bookshelf to get this. Well, I was talking about uh, the the question: Do you trust the cloud? And I, you can trust the cloud if you want, but it could go. You know, you don't yeah. control it. This is a, a really cool product that's called My Social Book, and what it does is you can take your entire Facebook and uh, it'll print it out in yearbook form, and they do such a nice job with it. Uh, you can, you know, choose to put in the comments or whatever, but it literally looks like a yearbook, and you can put a year of your life in it. And what I found about uh, Facebook is I, I never go back to the old posts, you know, mm -hmm. and print it out like this. It's really kind of cool. So Facebook should disappear. All of my little thoughts and shares and little cute little pictures, uh, I've got these in a safe, and so I'll always have them. And oh, that's this, really cool. This is really cool, and it's not that expensive either. It's under mysocialbook.com. But uh, these days, social media tends to be the way that we preserve our memories, families, just because it's so convenient. But then again, it's all in the cloud, and the cloud could disappear. I mean, if Facebook just disappeared tomorrow, how sad would we all be? Like, oh, I had that cool video of my son hitting the first home run, and it's no, you know. So, um, so I'd kind of be happy if Facebook disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Would it erase some evidence, Robert? No, no, no. no. <laughs> just there's so much, you know, noise in Facebook. You know, I use Facebook primarily just for work. I don't put my family memories on there. That's just me. Um, but that's the way I've always been. But it's just, you know, like. Uh, we don't need to go into it. I'm annoyed with Facebook, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the cloud, right? So, but yeah, so I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the cloud. You, you never know, right? Any of these services that are around today could just change. You know, change tomorrow, and and or or poof, you know, be gone. So, I mean, I think the nice thing now is, like, say, there's a lot of choice. There's a lot of competition out there. So, you know, you could probably even use multiple services. You know, Google, Google Photos now gives you unlimited storage. Flickr gives you unlimited storage. So, you know, I'm a kind of a proponent. Is I'll I'll kind of throw them at all these services, and then if one of them goes away, at least I've got you know. At least some of the others are going to be around, but I also take you know matters into my own hand and make sure that I have local copies, you know, um, external drives, um, and I think it's important too. I want to talk a little bit about changing technology. You know, we looked at um, you know we look at hard drives today. We look at you know DVDs. You look at floppy disks, right? I, I think you know you don't know where technology is going. I mean, look at at Apple recently changed the USB standard, right? So I think you know delivery via USB now isn't even a reliable method because you could pull this thing out five years, you know, from now and not have anything to actually plug it into or connect to. Something that we, you know, the, one of the approaches we use when we're selling an album with a client 
is to pull out a, a floppy disk and say, what if this was your parents' or your grandparents' wedding album? What would you do with it? And, and it kind of hits that, you know, that hits home for them, right? And they think, oh, yeah, geez, you know, we wouldn't have any way of looking at these. And we say, well, the USB or the DVD, that's today's fl version of the floppy disk, right? And that kind of, you know, reinforces to them that, yeah, we should be getting this stuff printed or, you know, investing in an album and doing that. So it becomes a little bit of a, it's not a scare tactic, but it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a tool to help you kind of sell your, your products as well and the importance of, of printing and getting those things off of, you know, off of the computer. Right. Or off your cell phone. I kind of do the same thing. I use that same analogy. You know, what if I gave you your files on a floppy disk? You know, how would you access them today? And I kind of use that. I like how you use it as a sales tool, Bruce. That's great. Um, I used it kind of as like when I'm passing the files off to them and I'm saying, look, I'm no longer liable for this and I'm telling them how to store and archive them. But I, that is one of the things that I also educate them on. Like, think about the future. I said, someday you will not be able. So you have to obviously keep up with the backup as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Gary, I want to ask you, kind of, where do you think, um, where do you think things are headed from a, a technology standpoint? Do you, you know, are we, is hard drives going to be? Are we going to see those go away? Or is, like, where's, where's everything headed? To well, appear into your crystal ball. I think things are headed direct to cloud, and um, it's it's moving in that direction so fast. If you stop and pause and look at what's going on. Things are going direct to cloud. Like if I, you know, take a picture on my mobile phone and and I just share it, boom, it goes up to cloud. And a lot of these iPhones have limited memory, and then people just, you know, wipe out whatever's on there. That ability to go straight to the cloud makes everything uh, tell me that soon there will be. That's weird that you have a storage device on your actual capture unit because, you know. Click, oh, it's the cloud. My, my kids will probably just go click, oh, and there it is. It'll probably be that fast. Click, and it's like right on your computer screen, right? So um, <clears throat> there's always going to be backups, but I think we're going to be shooting direct to cloud. The Sony cameras kind of have a lot of the, the newer cameras that are coming along now, particularly the mirrorless uh, you know, cameras, without getting too far down a, a rabbit hole of mirrorless cameras, but a lot of them now have that, right? The Wi-Fi kind of built in, that ability to shoot straight from the camera and have it go you know, go somewhere, whether it's up to the cloud or an FTP or, or what have you. Um, are you guys seeing a lot of that, say, in, in the wedding photography um, space? Are you seeing a lot of people take advantage of that? I like, I mean, I think what you're alluding to... Um, I think you can do that. I like to be able to shoot something on my Sony camera and then Wi-Fi it right to my phone in an instant, you know, and then I share a lot of times on social media. I mean, it's a much cleaner file, looks great. Um, you know, it's just kind of a fun little, you know, I'll do that at weddings sometimes. I'll, you know, one of my favorite pictures and I'll send it quick to my phone and then I'll show it to my couple, like, within, you know, a minute, usually, whatever, and they're like, how did you do? Because they, you know, they obviously saw me not take a picture with my phone, and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And then, um, if I happen to have, which I do most of the time, maybe at the end of the day, I've sent a few of my favorites to my own phone, you know, just throughout the day. I'm not showing them every single one of them. And then, at the end of the day, towards the end of the reception, at some point, I'll text them a couple pictures. <laughs> so they just have something to take away with them, and they don't usually notice it until like the next morning. That's my experience, and I'll get texts like, "Oh my gosh, these are amazing. We can't see the, the wait to see the rest. You were great, but you know." You kind of it's just a little bit of a wow factor, you know, not too much. I don't want to give them too much, but I want to just tease them a little bit. 
Yeah, well, there, we're in this instant gratification society, right, where everybody wants it yesterday, and, and you're also competing with, you know, the guests that are there that are taking photos and posting them online and, and things. I, I've seen, uh, you guys, I don't know if you saw this, where, um, did you see where James Day um, did a, did their album? Yeah. Yeah, the same yeah. Day yeah, and, yeah. And presented their album at the reception. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I won't be doing that. Yeah. Is my album ready yet? You haven't cut your cake. <laughs> yeah, but is my album ready? So, yeah, we're definitely in this instant, you know, everybody wants it now and, and, and things. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see where, where technology um, kind of goes. I want to ask you guys, because you guys both um, shot shot film. Um, film is making a little bit of a, a, you know, a comeback with some photographers. Um, any tips, strategies? Do you guys still have film negatives kicking around? Um you know, because that stuff eventually will degrade and, and decay as well, right? Any tips for storing that stuff, or do you guys still have rooms full of negatives? Or I don't have rooms full of them. I have a few <laughs> boxes. I mean, I made it a habit, you know, about after three years of my weddings to uh, offer my negatives to sell to my clients, because of course I didn't want to store them forever. And of course, I still have some. I still have some negatives, you know, from ten or more years ago, where people haven't ordered their albums. So of course, I have to keep them. For all I know, they could be divorced. But, you know, I, I don't get rid of those. Um, I've the ones where people, you know, I called and they were called three times and said, "Hey, you know, oh yeah, we want those. We want those." You know, like at some point, I've just thrown them away and I don't care. Um, because they were given ample opportunity to get them and, you know, come pick them up and, you know, and I think people necessarily don't care, so I keep the important stuff. Of course, I have personal stuff that, you know, uh, street photography and things in my travels over the year around the world that I have, you know, negatives of, um, you know, and just to be very realistic, you know, they're like in boxes, they're not stored amazing. Um, but they're there. Will I ever go through them? Because typically, like, at the time when I did a shoot like that with film, I would separate the negatives that I wanted, you know, much like creating a favorites folder in today's world. And so I have those kept separately and I know where they are. Um, but all the other stuff that didn't make the cut, you know, is in a box. So would you guys say like that it's easier in some ways now in the digital world that we're in to protect this stuff than it was back, you know, in the film days where it was more, you had a physical negative and you pretty yeah, much. Yeah, Gary would have a hell of a lot of safes. <laughs> safes. <laughs> <clears throat> we had a 2,500 square foot warehouse that had just our negatives. Um, it was it was so bulky. Well, it had the negatives and then the proofs, you know. So it was it was massive. Um, but you know, talking about the cloud, you know, because I started the lab at at Pictage, the first weddings that we did were my own, and that was the film days. And honestly, we started Pictage when everyone was shooting film. And uh, one of the value propositions we had was that we would scan your film and then keep a digital copy of it. Well, that was awesome because, you know, I had 100 weddings on there that were, I had negatives, but I also got, you know, a DVD copy off of the Pictage server. And then also, up until a certain point, I think it was the third owner after we sold it, they just, they just didn't have it anymore. I mean, I used to be able to call up and say, hey, I need this 1996 wedding. Can you pull it up? Yeah, we'll just stick it up on your on your uh, event, and then it would be there, and I could download all the high-res. And one day, it was all gone. So, um, you know, I, I don't have those anymore. So that that's kind of a cloud story. But, um, yeah. Yeah, the film, 
it's <laughs> I'm surprised it's still still around. I mean, not only did it have to go, it it needs to go away for good. Hmm, interesting. That might be a whole other uh, debate we could have one day and bring on some film shooters. Oh, that show, Why Film? Yes. Oh, yeah. Why Film? <laughs> awesome. Well, before we move on and, and get into our listener question, um, any kind of last final thoughts on, um, you know, kind of backup and archiving for wedding photographers? Um, I think you kind of alluded to it, Gary, but I just wanted to say for cloud storage, just to define, because I know people really care what you think, um, top three, if you were cloud services that you would recommend... Uh, well, Dropbox, and, and I say this really, really carefully because I think that cloud cloud should only be used uh, as a holding spot. Um, now, the other thing, what, and the reason why I say Dropbox is because it automatically reconciles between you and another off-site drive. So say you have a drive at your parents' house. Dropbox will reconcile that last event, and so that's automatically kept off-site. The thing about backup is convenience. If something's a hassle and, and you're a busy photographer, you just won't take that extra time to do stuff. And if it's just a simple thing, like as soon as I copy these SD cards, I'm sticking in an envelope and I'm going to put it inside my fire safe, and then once a week I'll drive to the safe deposit box or something like that. It's backed up to the cloud. You have the originals on, on your card. You have your working drive copies and everything like that. Um, but I would say for safety uh, and convenience, it would it would be Dropbox is number one. And then, um, all, but you know, you have to pay for Dropbox Pro. So of the free ones, um, I would say next would be Google. Google has unlimited free storage, but I think up to four megapixels, and then they charge after that. But we have compared them all, and uh, I would say that Google, and then after that, it becomes Amazon Cloud Storage. So it would be Dropbox, number one, Google, and then Amazon. And then number 793rd would be Apple. Actually, they rank about there for every category that I can imagine right now. Yeah. <laughs> have yeah. you guys used... Um... Have you guys tried or used Mylio? Have you heard of that service, Mylio? I, I have it, and I use it. Um, I haven't completely put everything up there, but it's a really interesting... So what Mylio is, for those of you listening, um, their kind of logo is your photos everywhere, and uh, you put them up there. It's not a cloud storage, although they do have that option, and it will back them up to your cloud service of choice, Um but it syncs the images that you put on there with every device that you have, whether it be your iPhone, your iPad, your, you know, home computer, your work computer. So basically you can put it at one place and then they're there. Um, and you can, you know, depending on where those files are stored, you can recall a high-res file from any one of the devices um, that you have, you know, depending on where you are if you want it. But otherwise it's uh, just a... A, a record, and they're doing a lot to it. Um, they're adding more and more. I, I know some of the guys that have developed that product, and and uh, I know some of the stuff that's coming, which I can't say. But um, it's it's really interesting. It's a it's a really interesting service. It's cool to be able to just go to your phone and like have all your photos. I mean, if you wanted to, let's say as wedding photographers, you could have every image from every single. And they're not stored on your phone. That's the thing. So you think, oh my gosh, that would be take up my phone storage, but it's not. It's it's like a, a very small thumbnail, really easy accessible galleries. It's a really pretty cool product. So you can kind of it's like an aggregator, right? Like you can feed 
different services like Flickr or Google Photos or yeah, Apple it, Photos it, can, or, it could it will pull your social media if you want. It'll you know all of that. Um, so yeah, you can always just sort of access anything anywhere. Uh, yeah, I think Gary hit on an important point though. I think you want to make sure that whatever this because there's a million different ways of doing this stuff, but I think you want to have it, it's it's something that's got to be simple. It's got to be you know fairly effortless. It's got to be something you don't even have to think about. It just kind of happens for you automatically because as soon as you have to stop and think about it, you've got that human element in the chain that's always the you know that's the fail point, right? You forget yeah. to take that drive to the office or you bring the wrong drive home or there's so many different things that can happen with you know getting it offsite or you know so anything you can do to set up that's kind of automatic. That being said, though, the one danger with automatic is sometimes you set it and you think it's working and maybe it's not working. We've had clients like that that put in, you know, backup software that's supposed to automatically be backing things up and then a disaster happens and they go to do the restore only to find out that it hasn't been working or it hasn't been backing up the right thing. So I think if you are doing some kind of a service or something that's an automated or scheduled, you want to check it periodically, like try to do a restore, try to, you know, pretend, you know, like a fire drill, like pretend a what if scenario if my computer went down, try and restore those things and make sure that everything you need is there because it's when you don't need it that you don't want to find out that your thing's not working. It's when you need it and you find out it's not working and then it's, you know, kind of a disaster. So, you know, we had that happen one, once with a client where their, you know, their, their server got stolen and they were, you know, in fits because they didn't know, you know what they were going to do. And we said, no problem. We'll just, we'll load your backup tape and, you know, we'll get a new computer in for you and everything will be fine. And she's like, well, all our backup tapes broke except one. And we just had the same tape you know, we were using it over and over, and I said, well, where was it? She goes, oh, well, it was in the server. <laughs> I said, that they stole. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um, you're screwed, uh, basically, was the, the, the point of that. So anything that's automatic, you want to never just always rely on it. You want to test it, check it, make sure that it's that it's working, you know, on a regular basis, like your, yeah. like your smoke alarms. <laughs> I would just really like to make it so super simple for everybody, and I would just suggest doing one thing different. As soon as you come from the event and download those cards, put those cards in an envelope and buy yourself a safe from Home Depot. Stick that envelope in the safe and then sleep really great knowing that if your house goes down, um, because it's on a drive, it's been backed up to a cloud, but it's also sitting in a safe with the original cards. And keep those original cards forever. That's the cheapest backup. You don't even have to sit here and just kind of pull your thumbs while the files are being transferred. They're already there. You know, when you ask yourself, what am I saving with 30 bucks or 60 bucks buying a new card? It's you're saving your time to transfer that 32 gigs over to two separate drives, right? Mm -hmm. So it's simple. Just take those cards, copy them, stick them in an envelope, do whatever you want with your raids and your drobos and all that, knowing that it's always there. And and let me add one more thing. You were talking about, you know, what am I going to do with a floppy disk? This is um, when I, I videotaped the childbirth, I kept the camera and the power cord and the, uh, and the media inside because I thought, you know, hey, someday I won't be able to transfer this and it might be an uh, incompatible format. So I have the camera in the safe, the actual camera that took it. So... So as long as plugs don't go away, you'll be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no electricity. Awesome. Well, again, there's, there's probably, we could probably spend hours, you know, d you know, digging into this stuff. There's so many different things we could talk about. But I think that's, you know, I think 
the big takeaway for photographers is, you know, make sure you have a system in place. Um, make sure that you have, you know, don't have all your eggs in one basket. Make sure that you've got multiple copies. You should have it on, you know, different types of media um, and have at least one of those either off-site, for sure off-site if you can, but in the, you know, immediate, say, just after you've shot a wedding or whatnot, put it in something like a fireproof safe if you have one. Um, get it over to a neighbor's house, something, so that it's not, you know, all your eggs aren't in one basket. So. Right. Well, and here's a quick idea, you know, based on what Gary said. I think that's a very simplistic, amazing idea. It's like just save those cards. I, I've thought about that before. I've actually done it in, in certain cases. You know, some of my celebrity stuff, I will do that, and I'll just keep those cards separate. Um, but... Uh, what if, you know, just an idea for photographers, it's good for some, not for others. What if you added to your contract, you know, media charge, $100, and the client says, well, what's this? And they said, this is for, you know, backup and archiving. Like, I only shoot on brand new cards one time every wedding, and then I use those as part of my storage solution to back up your job. Um, and they're going to argue with you over $100. They might. You know, of course, we know today's people. Mm -hmm. But um, I think more or less you could probably get away with that. And just, you yeah. know, so you have your package that's, you know, $2,000, $10,000, whoever you are. And you have a, a $100 media charge or whatever you want to make that mm -hmm. just to cover your card costs. And you're good to go. Yep. Good that's idea. Good plan. Yep. I like that plan. Excellent. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. We lost we lost Brian. Brian had to duck out. So in case we were wondering where Brian disappeared to, we weren't ignoring Brian. He just he had Brian had to duck out. So um, he's an important guy. He's, he's meetings all the time. So um, so we want to move on just to our next section, which is just a quick uh, listener question. So each week we choose a listener question to answer on the show. And this week we've got a question from Darren Leboeuf. Uh, couples often ask me if I have a contingency plan in case I am sick or otherwise unable to shoot on the day of their wedding. In reality, my plan would be to frantically call all of the other suitable photographers that I know and hope one of them is available. Uh, couples hire me because I have a certain style, uh, so the best I can do is find someone who's close enough. What are your guys' contingency plans, and what do you tell your couples if, when they ask? Uh, I addressed that in my contract. Um, it says that you know, upon the client's approval. But, yeah, I mean, I don't realistically, I you know, it would be the same as him. Um, you know, of course, I have a whole slew of photographer friends that I could call, but, you know, especially if it's a last-minute thing, you know, I don't know how there's any other way to do it um, because, obviously, you want, you know, you'd have probably your go-to person. Ideally, I'd love, you know, Jay to do this for me or whoever you're thinking. And... You know, you go from there. Um, but I think, you know, maybe just like backup and archive and storage is something you should think about, something you should talk about. Um, and maybe you have your, you know, secret, not so secret network of five or six people where you all talk to each other. And, you know, we all would put ourselves in that position and be happy to help. I've done it before myself. A photographer friend of mine broke his leg, although he was at the wedding. You know, I did most of the stuff and he just kind of came. But, um, we would do that, but it, you know, it might be something good for you to get a network of people to talk about. And you know, if you really wanted to be proactive every weekend, you know, in that network, you maybe you have some sort of group, you know, on some sort of channel, and you know, you find out, all right, well, Dave and Lisa and Joe shooting this weekend. They all have weddings, but Sam and Tony aren't. And so, you know, you just kind of know who those, you know, if you want to do it that way. But other than that, I don't know of another way to do it because it's. You know, I think it's harder to be proactive because you can't necessarily know when something's going to go wrong. You can be proactive by getting your group together, and then you have to be reactive when something does happen. Mm -hmm. 
Gary, any any thoughts on that? Well, I, haven't, I haven't shot a wedding professionally in a long time. Um, but if I were shooting today, I would just call Robert and I'd say, "Hey, you guys, <laughs> you get a better photographer than me. This is a wedding here. <laughs> you guys are it's working out good for you." Yeah. Um, no, but I, you know, the amazing thing is, I was never sick once in my twenty-year career. That's pretty crazy. That's crazy. That, that's yeah. I, I say the same thing. Like I've never missed a wedding. Yeah. I've shot weddings sick many times. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, um, I you know I we've talked about it on the show, but I just shot Jason Aldean's wedding at the end of March in Cancun, and I felt like garbage that whole. I had some sort of bronchitis. I had a fever. I had, and I was by myself because that was the request of the client, and I just had to tough it out and. And just did it. They didn't, other than the planner, kind of knew, but they had no idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think getting, you know, getting joining networks, joining us professional associations, building that network of of other photographers who you trust and know. And again, you know, you can't predict some things. Life happens, right? And you know, you could have a death in the family or something like that. And you know, I think generally couples, if it's, it was something like that, and you, as long as you get them somebody, I think couples are going to be fairly understanding. Um, you're not trying to leave them in the lurch. I think they'll they'll do their best to understand. Um, but yeah, just I think just connecting and networking with photographers in your area, joining professional associations like the PPOC or the PPA, I think those can be um, you know valuable resources and networks and communities to kind of tap into. And when all else fails, just call Robert. Right? <laughs> Robert will fly in because he's got his, he'll he'll hop on his private jet and fly in. And you could say to your clients, you know what? I'm deathly ill today and I can't shoot your wedding, and Rick's gonna do it for me. But you know what? I have an amazing backup plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> archive and so you'll have your memories forever. I just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Excellent. Well, we want to uh, you know thank Darren for his question, and we want to hear from you. So if you have a question for us, just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com, and you can leave your question in the comments, or you can also submit questions by sending us an email at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com, um, or just send out a tweet and use the hashtag twipwed, and we'll keep our eye out for those as well. So our last uh, segment here is just our picks of the week, and each episode we will share a photography-related item that we think would benefit wedding photographers, and our picks can be anything as long as they are somehow related to photography or the business of photography. So, Gary, since you're our guest this week, I'll let you go ahead and go first. What have you got for us? Well, my latest toy is the uh, Sony Remote Control app, and what, what it does is you can take your iPhone or your mobile phone and program it so that it wirelessly can show you what is going on through the viewfinder. I love that because a lot of times I'll do videos with myself, but then it goes further than that. What if you want to shoot a nest of a bald eagle and you want to put up your tripod in a certain spot and you want to be way over here just waiting and watching, making no noise, you can literally see the shot in here, change the exposure override, change the creative style, change the aperture, and then fire and uh, it's like having a having a cell phone that is just uh, a camera with a 300 millimeter lens on it. It's pretty. That, that's my my favorite toy so far lately. Very cool. Nice. And how do you put that on the camera, Gary? How does an app work on a camera? Oh, okay. So there's two ways that it works. Uh, the Sony cameras are really cool. They have what's called applications, and the applications have a store, which is the Sony Play Store, and it's just like you would have with the Google Play on your Android or your uh, i what's it called iStore or whatever um, App Store. The app Store. And yep. you download different apps. They have apps for time lapse. They have apps for 
um, action or stroboscopic. They have, you know, Star Watch or whatever. But the one to look for would be the smart remote. You download that onto your camera, and then you download it onto your phone so that you each have a copy of what's called Sony Play Memories. And then you just turn it on, and on a Sony phone like this one, you just tap it on your computer. It's called NFC or Near Field Communication, and it'll tap, and then the two will connect, and then they'll talk to each other. And it's very, very fast. You just press uh, Play Memories, and then boop, you see right through the uh, screen. You can change your focus spot and everything. And uh, not on the A6000, but on the A7 series, you can actually film your videos that way. It's mm. tremendously fun. Hmm. Very cool. Excellent. Great pick. Mr. Evans, what's your pick for us this week? Bruce, I'm going to turn it back to you because you never get to go first or second. Oh, okay. Thanks. Well, I've actually got two picks. Um, so, And they're, they're related to backing up stuff. So my friends Rob and Lauren over at Photography Concentrate, uh, they have a great ebook called Backup or Die. It's a little, it's a little yeah. dire, um, but um, they do a really great job there of walking you through kind of a workflow and a system for for backing up your images. So if you're if you're if you're stuck and you're just not sure where to start, um, that's a really good resource. Um, is Backup or Die from Photography Concentrate. And I also want to make a second pick. I'm going to make a pick here as well. Um, and that's Gary. You've got a, a whole series of YouTube um, videos. You've been doing a lot of stuff on YouTube lately, um, and you've got a whole series kind of around this whole topic. Um, can you tell us just briefly a little bit about that series? Yeah, we did a three-part uh, YouTube, and I think it's probably about an hour and a half or two hours long, and it literally takes you through the entire uh, workflow of safety and, and my strategies, and it's free. There's, there's no charge for it. Awesome. And you can see some of the stuff you showed today, like the fire safe and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, everything. Yep. Very cool. On yeah. Awesome. So we'll have a link to that um, in the show notes. If you want to check that out, uh, head on over uh, to the blog post for this episode. All right, Robert, what's your what's your pick? So I'm going to do, um, I've used them for years. I really like it. It's a pretty inexpensive, um, more than just a backup, but it's SmugMug. Um, people, I'm sure, have heard of SmugMug. I really like the, the platform. You can create a website around it if you want for your business. Um, but you can, you know, they have a couple different levels. But one of the things is unlimited storage. They allow you to have as much on there. They never charge you anymore or never say never. But it's fairly inexpensive. You can have, like, a basic, which is just $60 a year, and that's unlimited storage. There's a power account, which I believe is about $95 a year. Uh, their portfolio account is about 240 a year, and then their business is 420 uh, the, the higher accounts are like if you also want to do sales, you know, and, and do that. But if, if you literally just wanted to use SmugMug, I mean, I think I pay the, the middle one, the power maybe, um, and I use it for unlimited. I probably have four terabytes of images up there over the years. Um, I don't I don't use SmugMug to put everything up there, but I do a lot of my non-wedding stuff there. Um, I create, you know, portfolio galleries, uh, vendor galleries, um, you know, a lot of my portrait sittings and stuff go there for archive and backup. Um, it, it's just a really great tool, um, and it does so many other things. But, you know, just go check it out for yourself at smugmug.com, and uh, really, really great place to, like, also to view, and, you know, I can't say enough about it. I've really enjoyed using the product over the years. Awesome. So you're the 600-pound guy that shows up at the all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> Why are you still here? You go home. <laughs> There's no more cheesecake. <laughs> that was well done, Robert. Actually, you remember that? Uh, well, that's a that's a Louis Anderson bit. You remember that? Like 
he talks about being in a Chinese all-you-can-eat restaurant. And if, if those of you who don't remember who Louis Anderson, he's a very large comedian, probably, you know, 400, 300 pounds. And he would do this bit where he would talk about he's at the Chinese buffet and the owner would pace behind him and be like, you go now. You go home. Why are you still here? You know, and it was just funny because just the contrast of him and the idea of that. And <laughs> so. Excellent. Good pick. Well, again, we'll we'll have links to all those things in the show notes for this episode. Well, and then that brings us kind of to the to the end of another episode of Twip Weddings. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors for their support, and uh, we want to re- remind everybody to send in your questions for the show and share your thoughts by commenting on the blog post for this episode. So, before we kind of wrap it up, um, what's everybody up to? Where can our audience go if they want to keep up with what you're up to and things you have happening? Gary, where can people find you? GaryFong.com. That's kind of the central hub for all things Gary Fong? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And Mr. Evans, how about yourself? Same thing with me, robertevans.com, but all my social media is pretty around my name, at Robert Evans Instagram, at Robert Evans Twitter, uh, Facebook, all those things. Yep, good stuff. Um, If you're looking for Brian, he had had to duck out, but of course you'll find him um, over at the uh, Sprouting Photographer podcast. Um, He's also on Twitter, you know, Instagrams, all that kind of good stuff. So we'll put links to all his profiles. If you're looking for me, uh, you'll find me at my website, which is momentsindigital.com, or I'm on most of the social networks as Bruce Clark, with an E at the end of Clark. And, of course, be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com to learn more and to listen to some of the other great shows that are on the This Week in Photo network. So thanks again for listening to Twip Weddings, Raising the Bar, One Wedding at a Time.